Well, just wanted to take a few minutes this morning and share some uh, ministry changes and opportunities here at Grace Chapel. I want to ask John and Mark and Ron Toby, if you see, where's Ron, to come on up if you would. Well, I am really glad to share with you, our Grace Chapel family, what the Lord has been doing in my life. And you'll have to forgive me because I, I need to stay on course here and read it. Um, I think the best way for me to do that is just to cut to the chase and tell you exactly what the Lord is doing and then go back and fill in some gaps for you. After several months of soul searching and prayer and study, open conversation with those closest to us, uh, we feel led of God to step out in faith and to start a new work um, in our surrounding area. Specifically, we plan to partner with Grace Chapel in planting a new church community in a location yet to be determined, um, but in, like I said, the general area. Okay, now that I've gotten that off <laughs> my chest, <laughs> let me go back and fill in some gaps for you. Grace Chapel is almost 10 years old uh, today, almost to the day. And although I was not able to attend the very first service of Grace Chapel, I made it the next week to the second one and never looked back. At that time in my life, I was searching, um, even as God, I felt, was calling me into full-time ministry. And I came to this place called Grace Chapel and, and really never did go anywhere else or look anywhere else. He's been working in my life in this season and reminding me of that season 10 years ago. One lesson I learned as I contemplated leaving a career um, in, with Family Christian Stores to pursue full-time ministry, I was sure that that path for me meant seminary because I had a business degree. If I wanted to be in ministry, I would have to go to seminary. And, and God's ways, as I've learned over the years, are always um, different than ours. They're higher than ours and better than ours. And so what he had for me was on-the-job training with this new church called Grace Chapel. And I'm so glad. I started with Grace Chapel as a non-paid intern almost 10 years ago, hoping to help out and gain necessary experience and to be able to someday do this ministry thing full-time. Over time, my relationship with Jeff and this church became kind of hand in glove. As I grew in responsibilities and opportunity, I was able to see my gifts and experiences complement the leadership of Grace Chapel very well. It has truly been such a rewarding experience. I'm so grateful for the past 10 years. Not only for what it has meant for me in terms of my growth, and development as a leader, but also for the privilege. To be a part of something as special and dynamic as Grace Chapel. In that time, probably one of my greatest opportunities was to work so closely with Jeff Greer. I learned so much from him. And this man is truly what you see every week on the stage. He's so consistently 
who he is. And I think after 10 years of gaining the privilege to work closely with him and probably more closely than anybody else, I can testify to you that Jeff Greer and your leader here at Grace Chapel is consistently and faithfully who he says he is. And that's been such a testimony to me. We have become great friends over the years and through all the highs and lows of the journey so far. And that's why it was really not a surprise to me that when I shared my heart with Jeff about what I felt the Lord was doing, that he was completely supportive of this new vision and even wanted to help and partner with us in any way that he and Grace Chapel could. This new adventure we are embarking on has come to a head over the last several months. Something, sometime earlier last year, I started to have this unsettled feeling in, in terms of my um, perspective here at Grace Chapel, just that maybe God was wanting to stir and do something different. Grace Chapel has always been a forever thing for my family. And so this was kind of took us off guard that there was um, this unsettledness, not about anything that was necessarily happening here, but more about what God was trying to get my attention for and what he was trying to speak to us. More than anything, over the last few months, God started to speak to me through his word, and I want to share with those, some of those things with you. In the last half of 2009, I picked up a tool that I had used before in my life called the One Year Bible. It's very simple, just some Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a psalm and a proverb for every day. And over the last few months, I've tried to use that regularly just as a way to be systematically in, in the word and to get a little bit of exposure to those different areas. And it's been amazing how he has, um, how he has specifically talked to me through his word. One particular day of intense soul-searching and prayer related to all this was September 25th. Um, as I got this scripture from Isaiah 48. It says, Now I will tell you new things I have not mentioned before, secrets you have not yet heard. They are brand new, not things from the past, so you cannot say we knew that all the time. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new. And that was kind of the beginning of God starting to speak to me specifically about a new work that he wanted to do in our lives. My life chapter that God used to call me into ministry um, all those 10 years ago is Ephesians chapter 4. And um, as I said, there's Old Testament passage, New Testament passage, and, and you could never guess what the New Testament passage was that day on September 25th as I began to receive what I felt like was direction from the Lord. But it was Ephesians 4. And it was like God was saying, I have something new, and I want to affirm your call into ministry. So have I got your attention yet? As I continued to seek God and his leading, and specifically as the vis vision for this started to work itself out and the Lord started to add to that, he gave me another scripture in Amos, Amos 9.15. We all turn to Amos, don't we? Um, Amos 9.15, the Lord said, The time will come when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards of the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will firmly plant them there. in the land that I have given them, and they will, they will never be uprooted again. Now, as a pastor, I understand there's historical context to that scripture and for the people of Israel, but as a seeker of God's face in 2009, I believe that this was a, a promise to us and that he was confirming that there will be a harvest and that he was wanting us to give the best years of our lives to that work. Okay, so God, I'm still listening. More recently, as I began to feel more clarity as to what this was, um, another scripture that God gave me was in Haggai. And, you know, another common place we all go to is Haggai, right? 
Haggai 2.19. And I'm giving you a promise. Now while the seed is still in the barn, before you have harvested your grain and before the grapevine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have produced their crops from this day forward, I will bless you. And that's what that felt like to me is there's the seed in the barn. It hasn't even been sown yet. It's not even out there yet. It's a seed that was in, in the barn, so to speak. And God's promise to me and my family was from this day forward, as you commit to step out in this, I will be with you and I will bless you. So we, here we are. God has clearly spoken to us about our future. Trust me, there are many more questions than answers um, related to this. And I trust that God will reveal those even as we go. But this was our time to share with you what God was doing in our hearts. Um, and we trust that for those answers to come as we, as we go along. But as we stand ready to answer this call and step out in obedience, we are grateful for the graciousness, the love, and the support that Grace, the Grace Chapel family is showing us. We'd be lying to say if we weren't scared at times, but more than scared, we are confident that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. finished yet. Um, <laughs> that wasn't enough. Um, you know, when John started sharing this vision, um, another person who's been with us for 10 years, actually been with me for 14 years, Mark Erden, felt that he wanted to be a part of this work. And so, Mark, I want you to come and just kind of share what God's been doing in your heart. Well, again, my name is Mark Erden, and I am the middle school pastor here at Grace. I've uh, held that position for 10 years. It's kind of weird. I'm looking over here. I remember some of you when you're that big, and now you're this big, and some of you are starting families, and it's it's weird to see because, you know, I feel old now. Um, but the Word of God in the book of Hebrews spoke to me in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, The Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It goes and it cuts soul from spirit, joint from marrow. I read that verse, and, and the unique part of that verse is it shares something about each one of us. We are 50%, 50% soul, 50% spirit, 50% uh, your persona, your personality. It's what the Bible calls a soul, and 50% spirit. We were created to be spiritual. Well, as I read that verse, one of the things that kind of popped into my head was we need to find what grows, challenge, and nurtures our soul, and we need to do it. We can't sit around and be human doings for the rest of our life. We need to just become a human being and do what God asks us to do, what he's equipped us to do. A few years ago, uh, after reading this, I began taking the middle school into a little bit different direction where we began more local and community-type trips and activities. Uh, this past October, we took a, a, a little adventure downtown, which we called the Irresistible Weekend. In the Irresistible Weekend, we just said, hey, we're just going to be like Jesus all weekend long. We're going to gather in whatever materials we have. We're going to gather in whatever food there is, whatever we can get, and we're just going to go pass it out. And, and so, you know, we're downtown, and, and we're praying with people. It met a, a lady who, a 70-year-old lady who just lost her home, a grandma, and we're passing out stuff, and, and I'm watching these 12, 13, 14-year-olds pray with these kid, with these people, and some of the adults that went down praying with these people. Well, I have to be honest with you, I changed right there. 
clarity and focus of purpose set in right there. Watching these people, the, these amazing students minister to the, to the poor and needy, I became different. A couple months ago, John and I were, were just kind of talking. He was sharing where his heart was, and he just said, like, you know, I just, I just kind of feel like God's calling me to start a church and started sharing a little bit of a framework of what that church would look like. And um, as we were talking, I, I just kind of saw that, that his vision of church and my vision for seeing a community change, a community brought back to Christ, married very well together. It just fit. So I went home and I talked with my wife, and we were just sitting there praying. And I was like, well, what do you think? And, and she goes, she just said, Mark, I think that you need to do this. And so, again, coming back, John and I started talking. I said, let's do this, John. I was like, we can do it. Because I believe that God has equipped us and given us the ability to do this. And so, now comes the hard part. Saying goodbye to some people that I've loved. Some people who have known me when I was younger and watched me grow. And, and, and saying goodbye to students that I've had and, and I've known for years, families. And the thing is, what you guys have to understand is that, like, I've learned as much from some of you as I hope you've even learned from me. And that's the hard part. But the great part of this whole thing is that we get to be a part of another movement. Just as I stepped out 10 years to help start Grace Chapel, we're going to be stepping out now and starting this new movement, this, this next journey, this next adventure. So I'd like to thank you, thank all of you. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your lives. Just thank you for the past 10 years. I'm not a pastor and I'm not leaving, all right? Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Ron Toby. I'm part of the elder team here. And uh, sometimes things like this, you can sit there and think, well, what's really going on? And John alluded to it. There is incredible unity in this process that's sincere and genuine. There's no games. Uh, I've witnessed it firsthand. The, the book of Psalm 133 says how pleasant and good it is for brothers to dwell in unity. And we're seeing a sensation of that amidst our body here in this transition. As, as hard and difficult as it's going to be, I think it's very exciting because I think God's in it. And we have a chance to show the world, show ourselves that we can do this in a unified way, not in a way that's got uh, argumentation and backstabbing and that sort of thing. It, it can be a good work, and we're all about that. I wanted to introduce you to some of the other elders. We're not really prominent in this church. Don't try to be. But sometimes it's good to know that there are people backing these pastors and our staff in these type of process. So I want to introduce a couple of those if they're here this morning. Brian Hitchcock is an elder. I don't know if Brian's here this morning. You here, Brian? Stand if you are. Jeff Atkinson is here. Jeff, would you stand? Will Hausch. Will, are you here this morning? He might have walked over with Mark. And Scott Smith is also. So those are gentlemen that are uh, in the midst of the discussions, working through the processes here to help continue to give spiritual and organizational leadership here at Grace Chapel. Now, you may ask the question, that's really the only reason I'm standing here, of, okay, so what's going to happen, guys? How are you going to work to replace these longstanding, good and faithful servants, pastors in our midst? 
And you need to know that we were already in a process as an elder team to talk about the future of our staff plan when these guys came and talked about what they shared with you this morning. And so we're already in the process of talking about what does God want for this place in terms of staffing to help us fulfill the vision that Jeff so well articulates here week in and week out, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. But now we'll intensify that. We're going to need prayer. We appreciate your prayer for us in our deliberations. And the prayer really should go toward, you know, the sense of priority, timing, and sequencing of how to replenish our staff in a way that helps us fulfill the mission here. Now, you may have more questions or want updates on how we do this, and there's ways for you to do that. You can grab any of us as elders, the pastors, if you have some specific questions that we can't address all this morning. And then there will also be the opportunity, if you need to call the office, have a question there, they can get you in touch with one of us. And then on the 25th of January, there will also be a core meeting. Annually, we have a meeting where we affirm an annual budget, but we'll also toss a, talk about the restructuring and things here on the 25th, 7 o'clock in the evening here at the church this month. As you leave this morning, there's a card, a card that gives you a reminder of that meeting, but also talks about a meeting of the 17th of January. We want to be very open-handed. If there's people here that God is calling to a new work that would like to find out from John about what it is he's planning on to do, he's having a meeting next week, the 17th. You are welcome to go to that. We are not trying to protect people, keep this off to the side. If God calls some people to that, we want them to be freed up to pursue it and look at it. So that's also on the card. So thanks for listening to a, a stranger service this morning thus far. I don't know what kind of water they got into, but uh, over the holidays. <laughs> don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. You know, uh, our vision is that we are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. So as difficult as it is to, to see people who've been with you for 10 years or 14 or 15 years step out in faith and do something like this, it's no surprise. I mean, we've got people who've done this same thing and gone to Africa. Um, incredible things are happening there because of what... Jason and Emily had the faith to step out and do, and we have people in our church who've stepped out and gone to India, um, Mexico, and now a church plant. So this is, uh, this is really nothing new for our church. Um, I think I'm going to change the vision, though, because uh, too, many, <laughs> too many things going on. No, I'm excited. I really am. I'm excited to see what God is going to do and how uh, we can be a part of that. I love John so much. Um, just uh, I love you, man. I really do. You've been a great partner for 10 years. Um, I look forward to what God is going to do in your life, and I look forward to being a part of that um, as the senior pastor here at Grace Chapel coming alongside of you and, and helping in any way we can. And uh, I wish that you, right now, if we could just stop for a moment and pray, because um, as a youth pastor, I have twice before had to stand up in front of the church and say, um, here's what's happening, and then you take the long walk over to tell um, your students. Uh, telling you is one thing, telling them is another. And, um, I, you know, 
we have an elder over there with Mark, and he's going to be, you know, be there for Mark. But um, that's tough on Mark, and it's really tough on our, on our students, you know, to hear that for the first time. So can we just pause for a moment and pray for, for all this? Lord God, we just thank you so much for the, the unity and love we have here at our church, for the openness and the, the respect that we have for one another. And Father, we just uh, think of, of Mark Erton right now as he, as he goes over and talks to our junior hires. Thank you, Lord God, for his tireless dedication and love for them over the past 10 years. The impact that he's made on so many lives. The transformation we've seen in the lives of our students as we've tracked them for the past 10 years and also for the change we've seen in Mark. And we just thank you for this, uh, this opportunity for him to step out and do this. But Lord, we pray right now for him that you give him the right words. Lord God, that you would allow him to speak from the heart and that the students, as young as they are, would, uh, would be able to receive that with understanding that it's, he's not leaving them, Lord God. He's stepping out and doing something that you have called him to do. So I just pray, dear God, that that would be a, a very special time. Uh, Lord God, they'd be able to surround uh, their youth pastor with love and with prayer and that he'd just be able to encourage them, Lord God. Pray for John. Lord God, thank you so much for his life. Thank you so much for his partnership and his friendship. Just pray, dear God, that you would truly move in a powerful way in John and Megan's life. Lord God, that they would come together as a couple like, like never before in a unique way. Stepping out and doing something like this, Lord, it draws you. Uh, it binds you together with your family. I pray that would happen, Lord God, and I pray that you would be in the midst of all of it. Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord God, we pray that lives would be changed, that people would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for the privilege, the absolute privilege that we have had as a body to send so many different people in so many different directions around the world, in our own community, Lord, around this country, that have left this place to start new works. Father, it's difficult for us when we lose folks, but Lord God, what a privilege to be in a position where we can send people out, and they can truly impact this world. So we just give it all to you, and we praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I still have 15 minutes or so, so <laughs> you're thinking, mm, he's not going to preach. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, it's very short, though. It's only like three pages, so it's a little shorter than usual. Um, last week, as we came together, we talked about changing from the inside out. And next week, we're going to start our series called Inside Out, Living Irresistibly Transformed Lives. So we're going to do that for the next six or eight weeks, this series. And we pray that just, God, that you would just truly move in our hearts and our lives as we do that, because I think this is going to be a transforming series for all of us. And this morning, what I want to do is with the time left of 15 or 20 minutes left, I just, I just want to uh, lead us into that series a little bit, kind of the the foundation. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We talked about that last week. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how do we make changes in our lives that are beneficial to ourselves? How do, we, how do we truly change from the inside out in a way that will benefit us and will benefit those around us? How do we, how do we change? And this is something we really want to get into. How do we change our personality flaws? How do we change our, our, our character issues or our addictive behaviors? Put simply, how do we change? That's what we're going to be dealing with. How do we change? People, I mean, this whole country is consumed with change. Every time there's an elect, oh, this person's going to bring change and change and everything's change. And you hear the word so much, it's just like, ah. But how do we truly change, spiritually change, and become different people? Over the past few weeks and the past few sermons that I've been preaching, um, this question has come up a lot. People have been calling and talking to me and asking, you know, I, I really want to take the next step in my spiritual journey. And I'm really excited about the opportunity to walk with you on that spiritual journey. Change, becoming more like Jesus Christ, is the goal of every single one of us. That's our goal. As a Christian, that should be your goal, to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, changing to become more like him. Staying where you are spiritually is unacceptable to God. People say, well, God accepts you as you are. God will take you as you are, but God will not leave you as you are. He will take you where you are in your life, but he won't leave you where you are if you follow him. And if you don't like change, then you're probably, you've probably chosen to follow the wrong God because we worship a living and active God who desires to transform our lives to become more like his son. That's what it's all about. That's what Christianity is about, becoming more like Jesus Christ, becoming holy, becoming more like God. And so God's not going to leave you where you are. He wants you, he will say, I accept you where you are right now, and then I'm going to continue to move you forward. Paul challenged us to put, or put to death or crucify our old self. Paul says that throughout Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul says to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Put them to death. Crucify them. See, the good news is that these daily struggles, this won't sound like good news, if you're struggling, but the good news is that these daily struggles show us that, you know, that we are believers, that we have the Holy Spirit working in us. If the Holy Spirit's working, if, you know, if you're feeling, if you're struggling, it means the Spirit of God has been working in your heart, is continuing to work in your heart. When you really have to worry, I mean this sincerely, when you really have to worry is when you no longer struggle. When those things no longer bother you, the things right now that you, that you maybe are weeping over or that you, you get frustrated about or, boy, I want to, ch when you stop worrying about those things, when you stop trying to change, when, when they stop bothering you, that's when you really need to worry. See, we need to realize that, that this life will never be perfect. It's, it's never going to be perfect. The struggles of this world will always be with us and there will always be times of failure. But remember what we read last week in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, we know what's right. We just don't or can't always do what's right. 
We, we struggle with that. We don't always do the right thing. And so I always say, you know, I, I look at that passage, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I tell you this, so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, you know, we, we know what's right. We just don't always do what's right. And we struggle in that area. And, and the great thing is that God has given us Jesus Christ. That's the great thing about being a believer, about being a follower of, of, of Christ, is that we have him in our lives. God has given us Jesus Christ for those times that we fall short, that we don't live up to the standard that God has for us. You see, my salvation and your salvation is not based on your perfection. It's based on his. And that's what's so great about being a believer, that my salvation is not based on my perfection, how, uh, how well I do all the time, that I can live up to, but it's based on Jesus Christ's perfection, that when God sees me, he no longer sees Jeff Greer. He sees Jesus Christ who stands in front of me. His blood covers me. And I might, in standing with God, I'm perfect because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul isolates areas of weakness or places of vulnerability when he says this. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These areas of human nature seem very vulnerable to attack. And, and here's the problem that every single one of us faces. The enemy knows us and knows where we're most vulnerable. Not all, you know, I list those things out and a lot of you are saying, well, I don't, I don't, I don't do any of those, most of those things, not any of them, but most of them. But maybe the envy part, maybe the fits of rage sometimes, maybe the anger, whatever it is, the enemy knows where you're weakest and that's where he's going to attack. So Paul lays those things out for us and says, as human beings, we're vulnerable to attacks in these areas. Paul says, through the spirit of Christ, we should put to death, we should crucify, we should lay those things aside, those, that, that the, the flesh, the, the old nature with all of its negative passions and desires. You have to put those things to death. You know, when it, when it comes to your life, when it comes to your character and your integrity and change and all those things, this is, this is a battle. This is a war. The good news is we will win. That's the good news. The bad news is you're still in a battle. You're going to win the war. You have to keep walking in Christ, and you will win the war. But the, the difficulty is, and I'm not going to candy coat this, this is a battle. This is difficult for all of us. So, so how do we change the unhealthy parts of our personality? Because that's really what it's all about. That's really what people ask all the time. How do I, how do I change these sinful patterns in my life? Well, did you, get, did you all get the, the little magic pills coming in when you came in? Did you get those? Take those out because this is my answer right here. Don't Take those out and I wish, open them up if you would. They look like lifesavers, but they're really not. They've been, they've been, they've been, they've been, they've been, they've been specially formulated, okay? I sent them off to be specially formulated. And they're really magic pills. Yeah, everyone, take them together right now. Want just open them up and eat those things. Because as you eat those, you may think, mmm, tasty. But the reality is that magic pill is now doing away with all the difficulties and struggles that you face. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, by the time that melts in your mouth, They'll all be gone. 
That's why you come to Grace Chapel. See, I work with my friend Abraham, who's a scientist. He formulated, I don't know what he put in there, so I hope you're all okay. But he put some stuff in there that guarantees me that you'll be at, you will never have to struggle with those things again. They, they, they also will regrow hair, build muscle, make you bigger, stronger, faster, and cure warts, okay? So, I mean, these magic pills are incredible. It tastes good, too? You like it? All right. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for No. No, I mean, what, what happens is in life, you, you, want, you, want the, you want some kind of magic pill. I mean, I get up here and say, we're going to change, and you're waiting for the answer of how that's going to happen. Give me the, the answer. And a lot of us, you know, in our lives, we, we want the next counselor to be that other guy or other woman. She, they, didn't, they didn't have, now I want the next counselor to be my magic pill. I want that next self-help book to be my magic pill. I'm going to tell you something. Last week we talked about reading the next book, and I wasn't criticizing, especially Christian books that are focusing on the Word of God and helping us understand the Word of God. Those are good books. But sometimes we, we will read any kind of book, especially the self-help books, and we say, this is, this, this is going to have the answers. This is going to be my magic pill. It's going to solve all of my problems. I'm no longer going to have to worry about that struggle because once I, once I read this or once I talk to this person or once I do this thing, this one thing that I've somehow missed, that's going to solve all of my problems. And, you know, sometimes we treat the, the Spirit of God like a magic pill. Like somehow you're just going to, you know, we, we, we kind of put him in a little box and expect him to do certain things in a certain way, the way we'd like it, and we turn God or the Spirit of God into a magic pill. You know, we're an impatient culture wanting to find instant solutions to life's most challenging problems and, and questions and difficulties. That's just the culture in which we live. We can't help it, okay? Let's just be honest. I, I like that, well, come on now. But the reality is that is the culture in which we live. We want it solved right now. Everything happens in a half-hour sitcom kind of thing. It all gets worked out in an hour or a half hour. We, want, we have instant gratification in every single... I was laughing. We were standing out here earlier with my cell phone. I was plugging my cell phone in the battery. was dying or whatever. And I was saying, you know, we were talking about cell phones and how your cell phone itself now it's like instant gratification. You want to play a game? You want to do this? I just want to get on the phone and talk. I don't want to do anything else, okay? I, don't, I want to just talk. But cell phones have become that. We are a culture of instant gratification, and we think that we're going to have instant solutions to our most challenging problems. Rather than instant solutions and magic pills, true change comes about through time and through a process. True transformation in our lives will take place through a process. It's usually through a process. It's a daily practice that eventually results in change. It results in growth. It's a daily, often small, usually invisible process that we go through. You know, people see you that didn't know you five years ago, and they say, man, you've really changed. And you may not have noticed it in your life, but people see you, and they say that because gradually over time, you're not as whatever you were before because you've been working on that daily in your lives. You know, it's funny. When I first became a Christian, um, the next day or so, I, I remember uh, going to church for the first few times and and uh, my biggest thing was using foul language. I, I, I cussed my, my friend who led me, to, who brought me to church, Patty, for the first time, brought me there, was sitting on a car, and I was talking to my friend. She said, you know, you cussed 16 times in the last minute. 
And I said, I didn't tell you what I said to her, but I was 17. <laughs> I get in trouble there. I said, well, that's 17 times a minute and two seconds, so. Um, but, you know, and that was my big thing. And so it was really difficult. That was one of those you know, habits that I was into when I started going to church. And I honestly, believe it or not, I didn't really talk a lot for the first three or four months when I went to church. People thought I was quiet. They thought I was kind of laid back. I didn't talk in church because I was afraid if I talked for very long, I would cuss. And I would. There was no doubt if I talked to you this long that there's no way I wouldn't have cussed. So it was, I get on that, we get on the bus and I'd say to my friend Don, I'd say, I only cussed six times before we got on the bus. And then it was maybe a week later, I only cussed six times the entire day. And I catch myself, ooh, you know. Um, and then after a while, we, we cut it. That was a process over time. It was an enjoyable, actually, it was, it was fun to work through that process, but it was a process over time. You know, in most cases, personal issues, personal changes that you want to make are, are similar to physical changes that you want to go through in your life, like you physically that you want to get healthier. When we decide to get healthy physically, we start a gradual exercise program, right? It's a gradual exercise program that we, where we lay out goals over time and try to reach those goals over time through a process. It's similar to that, that we would say we would go to before the Lord and admit where we need to change and ask God to change us from the inside out. And those changes take place usually over time. The problem is that most people don't have the patience to work through that daily process. Well, they want it again. They want it right now. You know, if you have younger children and you see them working, you see them in areas where maybe they lie a little too much or they lose their temper. My son, Josh, see, he's still five. I don't have to pay him to talk about him. I used to have to pay the girls like 10 bucks every time I used their names, so I didn't use the names very much. But Josh, he's got, I'm telling you, guy's got a little temper on him. He really does. That's one of his things. He's got a temper. When he gets really worked up, he has temper. And he and I, right, we still, at this point, we, I sit down with him at five years old, and when he gets worked up, I pick him up in my arms. I don't get angry with him, and I take him to the side, and I say, Josh, control your anger. Control your anger. And when there's things on TV where someone does something and someone falls down and hurts themselves because someone else did something, I said, see, that person was angry. And when, you're, when, when people get angry and lose their temper, bad things happen. And we talk about it at five years old. Why? Because that's change in his life. That sin pattern in his life, call it what you want. He, he gets really upset about things, and I'm helping him overcome that pattern. That if, if he doesn't overcome now, you know how hard it is? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. But you know how hard it is to change that when you're 25 or 30 years old? When it's been ingrained, that, that, that anger and that rage has never been held into check. Mom or dad never really called you on it. Joshua, at five years old, by seven or eight, he won't have the same problem. He'll still get upset. By nine or 10 or 11 years old, it'll be normal. Like, you know, just. And by the time he's an adult, that will not be, that won't even be on his scope. He won't even remember that he had a difficult temper growing up. But when you're. 17, 18, 19 years old, and no one ever held you in check. That's a difficult thing to overcome. Change is a process. If your children have different things in their lives, help them walk through this process now so they can bring about these changes. And if you are 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, hey, we, we're talking about God here. God can still bring about all these changes in your life. It's just going to be a process that we as a body will work through together. 
I, at the end of this series, I really want people on the path to change. I want to get real specific in this series. I'm not going to call anybody out or anything, but I want to get real specific to what it is about your character, what it is about your personality, what sin issues, what addictive behaviors, whatever it is. I want everyone to, in their, in their own lives to know what those issues are, and we are going to work through those together on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. We're going to work through those things together. And I'm excited about it. I mean, I don't, and you may have worked through a lot of your bigger ones, but you know, pick some smaller ones because we are constantly trying to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I realize people are thinking, well, I, you know, I, I, God changed me overnight in some areas. Absolutely. I realize that God can change people overnight, if you will. But, the, but most of the time, in tr- internal change, changing from the inside out, what we're talking about here is a process. So don't get discouraged if, if, if you had some addictive behaviors and God, when you accepted Christ, didn't change you overnight. God does that. I've heard, I've heard from many people in our church where God has done miraculous things overnight in their lives. And that happens, no question. It's like being physically healed for a lot of people. But for most of us, and it's, it is a process worthwhile, it's a worthwhile process to go through, that process is a process that takes some time. Paul tells us again in verse 24 of chapter 5, he says, he says that to, he tells us to crucify, to crucify those things that are keeping us from being healthy and becoming more like Christ. To crucify those things, to put those things to death. So the question is, what does it mean to crucify? What does it mean to put those things to death, that, that your, your sinful nature? How does that happen in our lives? That's the question that we are going to begin to answer next week. How do we crucify? How do we put to death? How do we put away? How do we overcome? Because listen, I mean, get excited about this, okay? If as individuals, we can overcome some of these things and the boundaries that have been holding you back from your spiritual growth are pushed out of the way, if we can do that as individuals in the body and then the body comes together, working together, there's nothing that we can't do. You're, some of you are only working on smaller capacity because you're being held back by some things in your life, your past, some issues, whatever, addictions, you know, behaviors, whatever it may be. And we together, working through the word of God, can help, help overcome those things. Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the possibilities of all the things that we've accomplished over the last 10 years Imagine the possibilities of what we'll accomplish over the next 10 years. Let's bow our heads.